0: So good to be with you guys. And uh, welcome online friends. Glad our online community is connecting with us. Uh, Last Sunday was incredible. And uh, Joel and Hannah Domain, great servants of Jesus. I mean, the Spirit of God just rests so strongly upon them. We just got so blessed. Sunday morning, Sunday night, prophetic words. Um, at, At the end of Sunday night, there was a whole sea of Youth and young adults right here filling up this part. They were consecrating themselves to the Lord saying, we want to be the sacrifice. We want to be the ones, Lord, that you burn through with your fire. So, wow, we will never be the same again. And uh, I just blessed whatever God did. And if, you're, if you were here and you received that, I, I just want to encourage you, keep pressing into it. And taking it all the way deep into your heart and your spirit and your soul. Because there's such goodness there. If you missed it, watch it online, morning and evening. It was just incredible. And I also just want to say, something incredible is coming up. It's called Soul Care. Woo! Right? Soul Care is hitting the building. So next Thursday night, all day Friday, and Saturday a.m. and afternoon, it is on. This is your last chance to be part of it. I can't encourage you enough to do it. I have gone through it. Marianne and I have taken it six times. Every time we go through soul care, we get blessed by God. We we walk out a bit with another level of freedom, wholeness, uh, encouragement, strength, all those good things. So Putting the plug in, I think you gotta register really soon before it ends, and I hope that you don't miss out on it. Take the day off, work on Friday. It's an investment into your discipleship. I think Soul Care is one of the best discipleship pathways on the planet, and uh, we thank Rob Reimer for that. Okay, Um, I got some exciting news to share with you. Uh, Over the last several years, um, we've been letting you know at our AGMs, Annual General Meetings, Uh, that we're working on some stuff behind the scenes uh, to prepare us for our future. And last, AGM, we shared with you that we hope that within this year of ministry, we will be able to start a new organization, a new entity uh, that will help us to release new initiatives for the kingdom of God. So I'm happy to announce to you that it's alive. And this is like pre-launch, so we're coming to you early with it. I want to introduce you to something called Renew. Renew Generations Ministry. It's parallel to Kingdom City Church. It's currently an extension work of Kingdom City Church. Um, but it's a, it's a new thing. It's a new wineskin, really, that God has led us to, uh, to build. And um, we're, we're actually very excited on, on the reality that we've got society status already. And we've applied for a charitable status with it. And that'll take about 10 months to a year or so. But we can start using it now because it's a legal entity. So what will this do for us? This will enable us to start things that should be outside of our church properly, legally. Uh, it'll allow us to receive different kinds of donations and different kinds of revenue streams. Um, it's going to just enable us to change the world uh, in a greater way. And we're so excited about it. We have people working on the website. The logo, uh, presentations are coming. So today is just kind of like a preview, right? Just letting you know uh, this thing is rolling. There's a lot we need to explain about it, but it just it's just going to be a blessing to Kingdom City Church. It's going to enable us to go anywhere, do anything, that kind of thing, right? So um, stay tuned for more details about that. You guys excited about that? Awesome. Okay, let's turn in our Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 1 and chapter 2. Uh, We're back in the series that we started at the end of March called Greater Vision. And we're looking at the scriptures to find out what does God say about vision. And vision comes from the heart of God, really. He's the source of greater vision. And I have sensed that something's going on in our church here. In fact, I, I really believe the last two months God has opened up territory, spiritually, over the Airdrie, Calgary region, and I I just sense for the last eight weeks that God is downloading enormous amounts of vision upon his people. Do you guys sense that too? It's like, I've talked to many of you, and you're like, you're all getting vision. Vision for your life, vision for your family, vision for your career, uh, vision for your ministry, and everybody qualifies for this. Every single one of you can receive Vision from God. He's not stingy. (laughs) And the Lord wants to bless us, right? Jeremiah 29, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. So this is really his heart for us. He wants to release vision into our lives. Can I just get a little bit more monitor, Chris? Thank you. So I want to pray an apostolic prayer over you from Ephesians 1, verse 17. It's Paul the Apostle speaking here, and he releases this visionary intercessory moment. Let me just declare it over you right now. That God will give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, and that the eyes of your heart will be enlightened, that you would know the hope of his calling, the riches of his glory, and the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe. That's a prayer. That's that's a declarative prayer believing that God is going to give vision to his people. He's going to reveal things to them. And I just really sense that God is up to something. In fact, I believe by the end of this service, some of you are going to actually receive downloads from heaven. And you're going to put it into your life, into your work, your business, your school, whatever it is. And you're going to see the kingdom of heaven advance through you. So, so exciting. Okay, so... Uh, What is the definition of vision? Let me just put it this way. Um, Vision is a clear mental picture of something invisible that God is doing or about to do that is revealed by the Holy Spirit. And today is a day of vision. If I was to ask you, you know, like when you go home, when you drive on your street and you walk into your house, where do you put your car keys? Um, where's that lamp in your bedroom that you switch off before you you go to sleep? What's your favorite restaurant? Can you picture that, right? While you're picturing that, you're using your imagination. And that's one part of vision. That's just on the natural level. God gives us the ability, because we're made in his image, to imagine things naturally. But we want to take it to the supernatural level. We want to take it to the realm of the kingdom of heaven. And God is releasing Vision into the hearts and minds of his people. It's hard not to get some. So, today I want to talk about when the vision gets you. The first message was on how you get the vision. Now we're going to flip it around. We want to see how the vision gets us. So, I'm going to cover four things. I'm very organized for this message, apparently. So here's the four things. Number one, you got to perceive the vision. Number two, got to pray for the vision. Number three, prepare for the vision. And number four, got to perform the vision. We're going to go to number one. Are you ready? Perceive the vision. Nehemiah chapter one and chapter two. In this book of the Bible, which is, I think, the greatest book on leadership and vision, We hear about this man named Nehemiah, who's there living in Persia, right around the territory of Babylon at the time. He's serving Artaxerxes, who's the ruler of the Persians. And uh, so he's in a, Nehemiah is an Israelite, but he's living in in an ungodly empire, if you will. And he's got a job at the very highest levels of that society. He's the cupbearer to the king. Now, a cupbearer was someone like a personal executive assistant or maybe even like a, a vice president, if you will. So try to picture this. If the king of Saudi Arabia was going to fly to Calgary and come to Kingdom City Church, he would have his Nehemiah organize the trip, get the security detail in place, get the limo lined up, the flights and everything, and that person would be fully in charge of the king's journey while he traveled. That's Nehemiah. And as cupbearer, he had the I guess you could say the the honor of tasting the king's wine before the king drank it. Why did that have to happen? Is the king just kind of like finicky? No. People were always trying to kill the kings back then. And so in case someone put poison in the cup, they would say to Nehemiah, You drink it first. And he would taste it, and if he lived the king would then drink some of the cup. And so this is the role that Nehemiah had. He was really high level. He was very, very, very close to the most powerful man on the planet. He's an Israelite, and he's concerned about his home country. Verse one. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hekeliah. It came to pass in the month of Chislev, in the 20th year... As I was in Shushan, the citadel, that Hanani, one of my brethren, came with men from Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the survivors who were left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down, and its gates are burned with fire. So it was when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Nehemiah is an Israelite. He's going about his work one day and some travelers come in and he says, what's happening in Jerusalem? And they give him the freshest news that they have. It's not good. The city's demolished, the people are scattered, the walls torn down. He hears that and it wrecks his life. It disturbs him so much that all he can do is sit down and weep and mourn and fast for several days. When you perceive the vision Sometimes your heart is going to flip over. Sometimes you're going to stop on your tracks. When you receive a vision and when you perceive it, you might lose some sleep. You might get annoyed about something. Nehemiah was really wrecked by this. And so he goes into his apartment, his condo in Persia, and he weeps before God. Now let me just say this, not all visions from God come to you that way. There are other visions that God gives to people like you that will come with joy and excitement and a thrill and an amazement and a great anticipation. That happens too. In this case, this is a different kind of vision that's being laid upon Nehemiah. And sometimes when God is giving you a vision from heaven, he needs you to see things from heaven to see the true condition of an area of life around you or your own country or your province or your school or your family or your business. You see a great need. You feel an urgency in your spirit. You want something new to happen. You see a problem, and you can't shake it. And it's like the vision is starting to work its way into you. Bob Pierce was the founder of World Vision. Before he launched that Mammoth Organization of Human uh, Relief and uh, Humanitarian Aid, he was in Asia. I don't know if it was China or some other place, but he was he was there to observe poverty and he saw this lineup of people to get rice. He'd walked a long ways. They were malnourished and, and weak and emaciated. And then he noticed that some of them were dropping. They were children. And when he found out what was happening, he realized they were dropping dead on the ground. They were so hungry and so weak, their hearts failed. They didn't make it through the lineup. They would pull them out of the lineup, and someone would take their place. And he thought to himself, I think God's saying something to me. And here was his vision we got to get the rice to them quicker. We've got to make sure that nothing stops the rice from getting into the hands of the people so that they can survive. And out of that came world vision. I think visions that are birthed like that are going to so, so encapsulate your life that you can't even separate yourself from the vision. Then you know it's from God. I think that people can see things when God is showing them things that others can't see. I've been reading Miles Monroe's book, The Power of Vision. Great book. Thank you, Shabu Lawrence, for recommending it. Awesome book. And he tells a story, Miles Monroe, of a day in which Walt Disney, everybody know who Walt Disney is? He created Disneyland. He designed it in his head. And um, so Walt Disney has, has opened up his theme park. There's only one ride in it. And he's sitting there one day looking out over a little part of a field. And a guy who was cutting grass came up to him and said, Mr. Disney, um, what are you doing? And he said, that's where my mountain will be. And the person didn't see anything. And he said, that's where I want the mountain. And all his architects and designers were with him. Like, okay. He was designing Space Mountain. He could see it. Ever been on, who's been on Space Mountain? Woo-hoo. Yep. Half the world's been on Space Mountain. Disney died before Space Mountain was completed. And on the day that Space Mountain was dedicated at his theme park, his widow wife came in and someone introduced her and said, oh, Mrs. Disney, we're glad that you're here for the dedication of Space Mountain. It's too bad that your husband Walt was not here to see it. And she corrected him saying, he saw it long before you did. Vision gets in you. And you see things, you hear things, you feel things that heaven wants you to pay attention to. Am I talking to any Nehemiahs here today? Miles Monroe says this, vision possesses you, you don't possess it. Love that. The Bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Can we let the vision start landing on us today that God has for us? Can you just, with me, can you just, just like open up your spirit and say, okay, God, I'm ready. Whatever you want to show me, whatever you want to say, whatever you want to give me, oh, God, I want it to land in my heart. Miles Monroe says this. <clears throat> There's something within you that is being called by eternity. So I'm asking you, what is heaven saying to you today? I remember a couple of years ago, almost, there's a group of us in Montreal in the old streets. We're there with Joel and Hannah Demain in Quebec. We're walking through. I know I've shared this with you in the last six months. I'm saying it again. I heard a voice behind us as we were walking say, Awaken this nation! And I turned like, who in the world said that? And our team was there, and everybody's like, no. Uh, and I said, Did some of you hear that? And they went, three or four people said, I heard it. I know I heard it. That was the day that something landed in my heart and other people's hearts related to our nation. And I would say that we cared about our nation before that day, but that day took us to a level of receiving something for our nation. So you got to perceive the vision. Secondly, you need to pray for the vision, That's what Nehemiah does. You can look at it. I won't read all those verses there, but in chapter one, verses five to 10, he says, oh God, you know, and he appeals to the covenant of God, to the promises of God. He's saying, this is the kind of God you are. Remember God. And by the way, God, we repent of doing stupid stuff. God, so Lord, would you kind of help us, God? And then in verse 11, he says this, oh Lord, I pray, Please let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who desire to fear your name and let your servant prosper this day, I pray, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man for I was the king's cupbearer. This is not wimpy praying. This is not like, hey, I'll shoot you a text. Yeah, I'm praying for you. You know how those texts go, right? yeah, yeah, praying for you, meaning like, I just, I like you. (laughs) We should just say, I like you, instead of saying we're praying for people. We don't pray for them, right? This is not kind of like sending a prayer request to the intercessory prayer team thing. That's good to do too. This is not like defaulting to the intercessor saying, you guys do the praying, we do the working. No, 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 no. Jesus said, my house will be a house of prayer, There's no way on earth that we will ever fully be able to release the vision of God without being a people of prayer. It's impossible. This is deep, soul-travailing prayer. I picture Nehemiah with his expensive clothing on, on his knees going, Oh, God! In his condo in Persia. I picture him not able to eat. Fasting was just like, yeah, I just don't want to eat. He is so smitten by this, and so committed to praying, it just rolls out of him. I think he's groaning. And I think we should ask ourselves, what do we groan for? <laughs> I don't know if anybody in your family has ever said to you, stop groaning so much, you know? And maybe, maybe that's an indicator of what we're groaning for groaning in the spirit, right? Groaning, participating with the spirit as we're, as we're giving birth to something. It's travailing prayer. It's, there's something that's gonna come out of our lives and so we pray and we pray and we agonize in prayer until it is released. Are you praying for your vision? You might have a great vision. Are you praying for it? Jesus had a great vision on earth. Right? He came and announced in the Nazarene synagogue, Luke chapter 4, echoing Isaiah 61, The spirit of the Lord God is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, the recovery of sight to the blind, the setting free of the captives, right? To declare the acceptable year of the Lord, to release the prisoners from darkness. And he began his vision which was releasing the kingdom of heaven on earth. What did he do soon after that? He went up a mountain and he prayed. And he chose his team. He said, I want these people on my team. I I want this group. These are the right ones. The Father shows them. These are the 12. He starts moving forward, and prayer was what catalyzed it. So you gotta pray. All right, third one. You need to prepare for the vision. Yay, All the people who like the practical stuff say, finally, (laughs) prepare for the vision. Note the order. Perceive it, pray for it, then start preparing. If you want to start preparing before you've even perceived it, you're going to prepare the wrong stuff, okay? Prepare for the vision. So back to your own life here. You've got a vision for something or you can have one. There will be a moment when you need to move into a preparation stage, preparing to release it. Nehemiah does that. Chapter two, verse one, came to pass in the month of Nisan. That's not a car here that I'm talking about. It's a month in the Bible. Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, that I took the wine and gave it to the king, meaning he tested it. Now I had never been sad in his presence before. Therefore the king said to me, why is your face sad? <laughs> Only a king can say that, right? Like, dude, cheer up. I need cheerful people around me. And back in those days, you, you, you brought the best version of yourself to the king. If you're like melancholy and sad, they might get rid of you <laughs> quickly. Therefore the king said to me, why is your face sad since you are not sick? This is nothing but sorrow of heart. So I became dreadfully afraid and said to the king, "May the king live forever." That's just like a saying like "long live the king," right? "Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's tombs, that's Jerusalem, lies waste and its gates are burned with fire?" So it just kind of blurps out of Nehemiah's mouth, and the king said to me, "What do you request?" I mean, only a king can do that. Like I cut to the chase. Like, okay, get the tears over there. Well, what do you want? What, what, what's this all about? So I prayed to the God of heaven. I, you know, I think this was Nehemiah going in his spirit. This is like Zena warrior tongue spraying. Like, oh God, help. Yeah. Help, help, go come, God, what am I gonna say? What am I gonna say? What am I gonna say? And I said to the king, verse 5, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you would send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. There's the vision. He's saying, I'm called to rebuild a city and a nation. Then the king said to me, the queen also sitting beside him, note that, How long will your journey be? And when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me, and I sent, set him a time. Furthermore, I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given to me for the governors for the region beyond the river, that they must permit me to pass through till I come to Judah, and a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel, which pertains to the temple, for the city wall, and for the house that I will occupy. And the king granted them to me, according to the good hand of my God, upon me. Notice this. Often in Nehemiah, he says, my God. Because he's so intimately intertwined with the heart of God, he thinks of God all the time as his personal God. Which is how we should think, too. Uh, Here's color commentary, all right? Don't build your theology out of it. So, uh, he's before Artaxerxes, the ruler of the earth, really, under God. Artaxerxes says, what is it that you want? What do you want, Nehemiah? Well, I want to go rebuild my city. I want to fix the walls. I want to do this as deep in my heart. And I I, color commentary. I can picture Mrs. Xerxes saying, ah, Nehemiah, can you just leave us alone for a while? And out he goes. And Mrs. Xerxes says, Zerk, don't let him do this. We've got our own stuff to do. This is the cupbearer. Who's going to drink your wine and test it? I mean, we've got other things to organize. I've got this coming up this spring. I need Nehemiah around here. I'm just imagining that back and forth. And finally, they agree together. Let's let him do it. Yes, you can go. What does he get? He gets permission to leave and to devote himself to it. Secondly, he gets Protection, there's letters to guarantee his safety as he travels, and then there's, thirdly, provision. Wood, caravan, opportunities, tools. And I think, man, this guy is so set up for this. This guy is, his whole life has been prepared for this moment. And I love Nehemiah because he knows how to say No to other things, to pursue the one thing. And I want to say this to you your vision will require you to say no to good things, so you can say yes to the greater things, so that you can spend your life in the areas where God is most pleased with how you're serving Him. And a lot of visions die right there. They die right there because people get distracted, they get confused. They go, I got a great vision, but I'm running all these things, and I'm I'm going from here to there and here to there, and nothing really moves forward. Nehemiah puts it all together. And I would say this the guy's he he's using his gifts. I mean, come on. This is one of the most superb organizers in the Bible. He's a he's a specialist at at kind of partnership development between nations. He knows how to talk to kings from other countries. He's got a strategic leadership gift. I picture him, after he got permission, he goes to his condo, and he's got like three computer screens, and he's starting to design, you know, workflows. He's got Excel spreadsheets over here. He's making phone calls. He's doing FaceTime. Hey, I'm coming. I need a horse. Like, okay, we'll I have a horse for you. I'll actually, have another one, just in case I, I need a second one. All that kind of stuff going on. He is preparing for the vision. And it's going to take Resources. When it comes to resources, we're talking about provision. And remember the role that your gifts play in this. Your gifts are essential for the vision of God through your life. Nehemiah was prepared for this role. And here's a verse that I think is along these lines. Proverbs 18, 16 says, A man's gift makes room for him. And brings him before great men. A man's gift makes room for him. Your gifts make room for you to do what? To serve God. To be noticed, to be involved, to participate, to be given great assignments. To be included on the pursuit of something that's amazing. Sometimes I think people are just waiting for that vision to land on them. And that's great, we should do that. But I think it's also good we just start serving. Just use your gifts. Just jump in. Start serving. Your gift will make room for you. It'll be noticed. Everybody will know. Oh, 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 oh man, you're so good at this. Can you help us over here? Remember this, that the provision comes from God. It came through Artaxerxes, but it really came from God. Now, I'll put it this way, there is provision for the vision. Let me go back to Genesis 22, seeing as it's a popular passage these days. Abraham's going up Mount Moriah. God told him to sacrifice his son, the son of promise Isaac. He waited 25 years for this kid to be born. And now God says, bring him up Mount Moriah and offer him to me as a sacrifice. Abraham, being a man of faith and a friend of God, goes, okay. It's going to be painful, but okay. Up the hill they go. Isaac's carrying some stuff. He's got, there's wood, there's a torch. And Isaac, who probably was anywhere between 12 and 15 years old, said to his dad, Dad, here's the fire, here's the the wood, but where is the sacrifice, Dad? And Abraham says this profound statement. He says, the Lord himself will provide a lamb. The Lord himself, son, will provide a lamb. And in the Hebrew, it's Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will see it through. Jireh means see it through. It's a visionary term. You see, what God sees happens. The Lord himself will see it through. And so as the... The arm of Abraham is about to come down upon his son to slay him. He hears a voice from heaven Do not lay your hand on the son. And then we hear that sound in the thickets. Remember last week? Hey, Ram, would you like to be in the Bible? <laughs> yes! Go stick your head in the thicket. Okay. Now you die. <laughs> oh, Joel, thank you. That was so awesome. So awesome. God himself will provide. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will see it through. God is gonna see through your vision. If it has come from him, he, he will see it through. We're involved, but he provides. He provides. Anybody here know George Mueller, 1800s? Pastor George Mueller, London, England, walked the streets of London, saw all kinds of poor kids, orphans, everywhere, malnourished, abused. And he went, this is not good. I'm going to have to start an orphanage. He didn't write down and say, I have a vision. He just, it just was in him. I'm going to start an orphanage, Lord. And God blessed him. And he was given a building. He was given people to help him out. He was given furniture and all of that. And he lived by faith. His book on faith is one of the best books to inspire you to believe God for everything. Because God can do anything. And there were moments when, when they were trusting God for the needs of the orphanage, and it came down to the wire. Like on this one day, he's got 300 orphans in the orphanage. The headmistress of the school says, Pastor George, there's no food for breakfast. There's no food for the children this morning. Pastor George. And he says, get all the kids together, put them at the table. 300 kids are put at the table knives, forks, spoons, plates, empty cups. Sit them down. She said, There's no food for them, George. He said, Sit them down. They're all sitting down, 300 kids. And George Mueller prays. Thank you, God, for the food that we are about to eat. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a knock at the door. And it's the baker from down the road. He's like, "Yeah, I, I made too much bread this morning, and it's going to go bad unless I give it away. I' got a whole bunch of bread. Can I give it to you?" A few moments later, the milk man, the dairy guy, comes up with his wagon cart. "Yeah, we've just had so much milk, we don't know what to do with it. I've got dozens and dozens of gallons of milk. Can I give it to you? Yeah, we'll take that." That's kind of like how they lived. And there was meat wagons that came by. And people donated clothing and money. Often at the very last moment. God is never late. Never late. But sometimes it might feel that way. That's just how we see things. Last thing I want to mention here is about performing the vision. Nehemiah gets very, very practical he wants to set the whole thing in motion so in chapter 2 at verse 11 did i read this for you guys no i don't think verse 11 so i came to jerusalem and was there three days then i arose in the night and i and a few men with me i told no one what my god had put in my heart to do at jerusalem nor was there any animal with me except the one on which i rode And I went out by night through the valley gate to the serpent well and the refuse gate and viewed the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down, and its gates, which were burned with fire. Then I went on to the fountain gate and to the king's pool, but there was no room for the animal under me to pass. So I went up in the night by the valley and viewed the wall. Then I turned back and entered by the valley gate and so returned. Um, Where are you here? And the officials did not know where I had gone or what I had done. I had not yet told the Jews, the priests, and the nobles, and the officials, or the others who did the work. Then I said to them, here's the vision talk, you see the distress that we are in. How Jerusalem lies waste and its gates are burned with fire. Come and let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. And I told them of the hand of my God which had been been good upon me and also of the king's words that he had spoken to me. So they said, here it is, let us rise up and build. Then they set their hands to this good work. It's in action now. They've gone from planning to performance. And they get it done. They actually Get it done. It happens. And it's all attributed to the mighty hand of God. Chapter 2, verse 20, it says, So I answered them and said to them, The God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore, we as servants will arise and build. But you have no heritage or right or memorial in Jerusalem. And in chapter 6, it tells us, In 52 days, the walls were rebuilt and the gates were hung again. And thus began the great revival. Actually, a revival happened under Nehemiah. They brought in Ezra the scribe. So there was preaching, and they read the words of the law, and people were weeping, and the city was rebuilt and restored to God. One of the most phenomenal moments in human history. And God performed it. God performed it. God was the one who saw the vision through. Yes, Nehemiah was involved. Yes, some people put their hands to the work, but it was the Lord who orchestrated the whole thing. When it comes to performing the will of God, I remember Chris Vallton saying something like this. The Bible talks about horses, right? It says in the Bible, prepare the horse for battle. All right, that makes sense. You're going into war. You gotta have horses. You gotta have military horses. Prepare the horse for battle. Because if you're going to go into battle, you're going to have to have horses. So people back then, they did that. They got horses ready for the war. Prepare the horse for battle. Psalm 33 verse 17 says, A horse is a vain thing for safety. Neither shall he deliver any by his great strength. Oh. Well, what's that mean? Well, go prepare the horse for battle. Go Go get things ready. Start working on it. And then God comes to you later and he says, hey... Uh, I see you got the horse ready. Yes, I do, Lord. We're not using the horse today. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but I prepared it because you said so. That's good. I, I'm glad you did that. You did what you were asked to. We're going to do it differently. Yeah, but I prepared the horse. Well, we don't need the horse. Well, how are we going to win a war without a horse? You win by the Lord himself. Amen. The horse is prepared for the day of battle, but deliverance is from the Lord. Proverbs 21:31. God performs his own vision. I'm going to invite our worship team to join me here. God will perform his own vision. Doesn't mean we're not involved. And we may even sacrifice. We may even have to put it all on the altar. We may need to take our Isaacs, our precious promises that have been fulfilled and lay them down before him. We may have to do that. But God will perform his own vision Psalm 57 verse 2 it's to God who performs all things for me all things for me Ephesians 3 20 and 21 and now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or imagine he can do it all and then it says according to the power that is at work through us Whose power? God's power. Where is that power? It is in you. It's already in you if you're a believer. What are you supposed to do with this power? Use it. Put your hand to something. There's a verse in the Bible that says whatever your your hand finds to do, just do it. Do it for the kingdom. Do it. In His ability. And I think sometimes we get it all backwards here. We think God wants us to do a vision. we got to do it in our own strength. we got to kind of perform our own way through this. we got to put these burdens upon ourselves when we don't have the strength for it. God's like, no, that's not my way. I want you involved. I want you surrendered. I want you willing to be used. I want you to put your feet to the ground when I call you to. But I'll do it through you. I have to credit Andrew Womack for this great faith teacher. He talks about getting things done in the kingdom. And he zeroes in on the word responsibility. And he defines it this way. He said, responsibility is my response to his ability. That's profound. It's my response to the one who's really able. And when we really tap into that, God can do anything through our lives. So is the vision in you? Yes, it is. We're going to go into a time of just closing off our our worship gathering here, but we've got a response to make. I want to invite you to stand. I just know in my spirit that God has been releasing vision here this morning and to those of you online as well. There's something that Jesus is up to that involves all of us. And he will put things on you that are yours to receive. Mantles, assignments, responsibilities, visions, dreams that he wants to fulfill through you. And I just want to encourage you to to say a big yes to God if you want to about this. Because I think what God's about to do in the next five minutes will change a generation. There's something going on here right now. I don't know if you can sense it but there's something being birthed inside of many of you. It's a vision that's landing inside of you from heaven. Perceive it. Prayerfully bring it into your life. And when God shows you in start preparing for it. Start getting it ready. Ready and then let him perform it through you. Wow. So I'm just gonna open up the front here. Maybe this is for just a handful of you, but I, I just felt I wanted to open it up. If you feel like God has touched your heart in this area of vision today, and you just wanna mark a moment and say, Lord, I'm, I am I'm ready to move into this. I'm ready to embrace this more deeply. I already know what you're saying to me. I just want you to have the freedom to come up here to the front. Just do that if you want. He's going to pray a blessing over you. And uh, if Holy Spirit is speaking to you to do that, then I invite you to just demonstrate that. You don't have to come to the front, just come if you want to come to the front. You can, you can say yes to your vision in the back row, but if it helps you, come to the front. Yeah. yeah, Lord, thank you for what you're releasing right now. Thank you, Jesus. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will release over your bride here, Kingdom City, the visions and dreams that are from heaven above that are now being Placed into the hearts and lives of these men and women, in fact, the whole church. I pray, God, that you will pour out your spirit upon them. I pray that they will see the vision like never before. I pray, God, that you will provide for the vision. I don't even know if we have to ask. Of course you will, but we're going to ask anyways. Because if we ask, we shall receive, amen? So let's ask, Lord, provide for the vision. Provide it. Provide what is needed. Whether that be resources, people, favor, timing, blessing, wisdom, whatever it is. And Lord, I pray a blessing over those who are in business right now. I thank you, God, for the business leaders in our church. God, I pray that you will pour abundant blessing upon every business leader, young and old, that they will see the kingdom through the realm that they serve you in. All work is sacred unto God. All work is holy unto God. I think God is putting something in some of you. There's a birthing going on right now. Maybe you can feel it deep in your soul. There's a birthing going on. Just let the Lord do that in you. Don't be in a hurry. Just let it work its way into you.